Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Were Born for This with Father John Ricardo. That would be me. I'm Father John, and I'm here as always with my host, Mary and Nick. And uh, we are with Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything that's related to transforming parishes. Guys, good to be with you. And as we continue this uh, time of social distancing, um, Nick, what's our topic today? It's pretty relevant given the fact that we enter into Holy Week, huh? Oh, yeah, Father John. Um, this, today, today's topic is a Holy Week unlike any other. And uh, I, I, th- I think everyone is asking, asking themselves the question, um, you know, how, how do we make Holy Week holy uh, given, given our um, inability to access the sacraments in this coming week? So, but John, I know we have a lot to talk about. Can you open us in prayer? Always, absolutely. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, as we uh, enter into these great days, this week that the church calls the Great Week, the week unlike any other week, the week when we celebrate, call to mind, give thanks for the mysteries of our uh, rescue from the powers of sin and death, Uh, we just ask for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit, not just upon us and upon the church, but indeed upon the whole world at this time of experiencing this pandemic that we're living through, which has stopped our lives from the normal chaos and has created an opportunity for us to focus our attention on Jesus's death and his glorious resurrection, perhaps in a way like never before. Lord, we ask that uh, you just cover us, uh, our loved ones, our family members, uh, all those that we care about, and indeed this whole world with the precious blood of your son. And that we would emerge at Easter, uh, able to proclaim with new conviction that Jesus is Lord. And because he is, uh, we're not afraid. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So, uh, Mary, Father John, this is, um, this podcast in particular episode, I should say, is, uh, it feels exciting for me because I almost feel like a student to it, right? Like I'm, I'm excited to talk about Holy Week and how to make it holy in my house as a, as a young father and husband, you know, as a disciple of Jesus. It's like, I, I want to be the beneficiary of, of, of this podcast in a unique way because I want to figure out how do, I, how do I bring the liturgy into my house, right? We, we are called to be a domestic church. And I think as, as never before, perhaps I'm going to experience that in a unique way. So as disappointed as I am, We'll be at Mass on, on Easter Sunday and throughout the, the Triduum liturgies. I am, I am taking advantage, if you will, of this, of this moment to say, okay, Lord, show me how to lead in a new way in my home. So, Father John, open this up. What is happening this week, and, and what can this look like in our homes? Yeah, so let me just say this first, maybe. It's clearly going to be a holy week unlike any we've ever experienced, right? But I think most people's uh, perception of that going into this is it's, it's a negative And to be sure, there's some negatives about this, but I keep thinking that the Lord has given us an opportunity, especially as households, as families, uh, to really turn this into a positive dimension so that we can make this a holy week unlike any we're ever going to celebrate it again in our lives for positive reasons. And so what we want to do right now, we just want to practically walk people through um, these three major celebrations that we're going to do in our homes this year, Holy Thursday, Good Friday. And we're encouraging people, make it the Easter vigil Saturday night. You don't have to worry about being in church for four hours because you can't get there. So you can do your own spin on the Easter vigil at home and we'll try to walk people through that. But 
maybe just a, a passage to give us a context first. And it's been a theme that God's been bringing to my mind over and over again over these last 10 days or so. So the whole background of Holy Week uh, is our Jewish brothers and sisters in the celebration of Passover, right? I mean, Holy Week takes uh, place historically during the time of the Passover. And the Passover, which is um, the feast that the Jewish people celebrate commemorating and making present again, that's a key thing, their deliverance from Egypt. The Passover was originally a celebration and a feast that was, uh, took place in the home. Didn't happen in a synagogue. Didn't happen in the temple. It took place in the home. It happened before a priesthood was ever instituted amongst the people of Israel. And it just keeps striking me right now, like that's we're going back to our roots in many ways as Catholics this Holy Week. So even that, just let that take hold of you and realize, okay, there's a precedent for this. The original feast, which foreshadows what it is that we're going to celebrate this Holy Week, Mm. took place in a home. And so are our celebrations this week going to take place in a home. Does that resonate with you guys? It does, uh, Father John. I was, as I was listening to you talk, I was thinking about how oftentimes the, the posture uh, as we enter into Holy Week as families, as husbands and wives, we show up. We've kind of been bystanders, mm. and we show up and we're waiting for the church to, to do what she does so beautifully in the, in the Triduum. But this year we're not called to be bystanders. As parents, um, we're called to not just show up, but we're, we need to create our own schedule in our own home, much like you would find in a parish bulletin. And we have to take the leadership role. We are the first heralds of the gospel for our children. And so we're called to prepare in a way that we've never prepared before. And I can't help but think that's going to change forever how we celebrate Holy Week moving forward. God willing, we get past this pandemic and we find ourselves in another place next year when we're back in our churches. Maybe just a quick thought on that as you're talking, Mary. You know, so... Uh, baptism, which would normally be something we're looking forward to celebrating this coming uh, Holy Saturday for those who are going to come into communion with the church or come into the church in baptism. Baptism does something in a person. And one of the things that it does is it makes them to be a priest, right? Or more precisely would say a sharer in Jesus's priesthood. So before I was ordained a priest, I was already a priest. I'm, by those who are ordained are priests of a different kind. We're ministerial priests at the service of uh, the priest of the baptized. So, you know, Mary's a priest, Nick's a priest, you know, Susie's a priest, Katie's a priest, Trevor's a priest. Um, And what do priests do? Priests have access to God. And all the more important this Holy Week for all of us to recognize that God has given us who've been baptized this dignity to come into the Father's presence to go behind the veil, the way Hebrews would put it, uh, Mm. a place that you and I can go because of what Jesus has done for us by his death and resurrection. So you and I can approach the Father in Jesus's name to pray for an end of the pandemic, for those who are suffering, for those who are on the front lines, for those who are trying to find a cure. And as you just said, Mary, in a particular way for parents to exercise their priestly role to lead their families in worship this week. And so step into that people, but also just, you know, like, I feel like the Lord wants to say, 
um, have fun with this. You know, like, don't be anxious. Don't be worried about, am I doing this wrong? There is no right way to celebrate Holy Thursday at home. Okay. I mean, so um, have fun with it. I mean, if you're doing this with little kids at times as we're going through these things and they need to get up, then pause. You know, like you're not in a church. You don't have to worry about distracting anybody. It's just your family. So let this be a festive week, even in the midst of this crazy pandemic that we're going, uh, oh, that's going on all around us, right? And, and you just said something, Mary, that I think is really important. We, we all belong to parishes, right? And so the parish sends out this little bulletin saying, here's the Holy Week schedule. Here's the time for Holy Thursday Mass. Here's the time for the Good Friday services. Here's the time of the Easter Vigil. And you would program your week accordingly. So one of the things concretely we want to just suggest to people is decide now when you're going to celebrate these feasts at home, right? Is that what you guys are going to do, Nick? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, landing on specific times so that we can, uh, part of this is hold ourselves to it, right? I mean, we don't want it to be by happenstance that, that we do something uh, each, each of these holy days. We want it to be by design. And so building the day around that, getting excited for it, getting ready for it, um, and also uh, mentally prepping. So, I mean, in my case, right, two little boys, they're not going to last very long for anything we do. So perhaps structuring some of that before bedtime and after bedtime. So, you know, all these little details that parents and, and families need to think about with different stages of life. Um, absolutely. Scheduling is going to be key here. Um, thinking about this also draws me into, uh, you said, you know, make it fun. There's no, there's no kind of right or wrong way to do this. Um, I think that's exciting as a, as a disciple to say, okay, um, maybe, you know, please God, let this be the only year this ever happens in one sense, right? But let, help, right. Let, let's, let's prayerfully create with the Holy Spirit something that's going to provide an opportunity for real transformation in, my, in myself, my wife, my kids. But then on top of that, I just want to say maybe, maybe the only thing, if, if there is such a thing as a wrong thing to do, is to do nothing, right? But right. even something so small, even something small, so small to acknowledge this is Holy Thursday. If that's all you have time for, all you can pull off, great. But to do nothing, um, that would be that would perhaps be the only thing we could say would be wrong. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. So first practical thing is to set aside a time. And I know Mary, you 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 have such a uh, I've been in your home with Steve. You guys have so many sacred places that you've created. You want to speak into a, a second practical thing about how to create a sacred space in your home. Yeah. Um, so just listening to Nick talk about, you know, what are those things that we have to get in place before we dive into the Tridwim um, is um, just to create like a simple altar, a prayer altar in your home. Um, if you remember years back, I don't know, I, I hope some families still do this, but we would create a May altar in our home for the mm. month of May. It was dedicated to Our Lady. Well, many of us find ourselves now um, in quarantine where we've set up a prayer altar with Gosh, a simple cloth, um, a crucifix, uh, uh, scriptures, um, Bible, candles, uh, rosary, holy water, anything to make it the place where your family is going to go to celebrate these days. And um, if you're like Steve and I, um, we, love, uh, we love art. And so grab some of those things in your home that have made your home sacred and bring them to that designated place and let the kids jump in and make it beautiful. And uh, 
Yeah, so I would just offer that. And, and one other thought, I, as I was hearing the both of you speak, Father, you, you rightly said that you can't do this wrong. You can't mess this up. The kids are going to have fun with it, and we're going to be stumbling through a set of things. But I cannot help but think that the good Father in heaven is going to delight in what he sees his children doing this year. Um, uh, uh, I think it's going to please him, watching us fumble along, trying to worship him and reconsecrate our homes to be what it is they were always supposed to be. So um, a time of great grace and blessing, hopefully, for all of us. Yeah, no question. Spot on. Thanks for that. So how about we dive into the days, right? So let's, let's, let's take a look at Holy Thursday real quick. So we've already set aside a time. We've created a space. We've entered into this with uh, freedom from like any expectations or preconceptions or anything like that. We're just going to, we're going to be confident that the Father's going to delight in what we're doing. We're going to have fun with this and we're going to try to make it as reverent as we can. Right. And so Holy Thursday is um, Holy Thursday in the morning. I might just uh, ask people in a particular way to pray for priests. So this is the day when usually the priests would be gathering together with the bishop and often many of the lay people where the priests renew their priestly uh, promises mm -hmm. and vows. And so I just ask you on behalf of me and my brothers to please, please do that. It is, I can't tell you how uh, unbelievably awkward this is for us uh, this year as priests. So you guys are talking about the awkwardness of celebrating these things at home. I'm going to be celebrating them in an empty church. And it's just going to be beyond bizarre. And every priest I know right now is battling this tension between wanting to be heroic and courageous, courageous and wanting to be prudent. And so this is a hardship for us. And so today, Holy Thursday, if you wouldn't mind just asking God to continue to conform our hearts to the heart of Jesus, the, the only priest, <clears throat> um, I'd be really grateful. And then that evening, right, the focus that evening is really on a couple of different things. One's the institution of the Eucharist. And then one is um, the foot washing. And so as we were talking amongst ourselves, right, and thinking about this podcast, we just want to encourage people, break the, break the celebration, however formal or informal you can do this, into three parts. So the first part would be the scriptures. The second part would be to consider doing a foot washing in your family or your home. And the third would be some way to, quote, unquote, keep vigil that night. So let's just walk through each of these real quick, huh? So the scriptures are um, Exodus 12. That's the first reading, which is the institution of the Passover. So Mary, I know you were suggesting what to divvy these up between family members, right? Yeah. So if you just kind of go through the readings as you're planning for that particular night, look at the readings and just assign the readings to um, every member of your family. Let the, let people choose what it is they want to, what they want to proclaim. Um, and that's pretty exciting because that might that might give to birth some real desire after this to serve your local parish. Uh, and if you've got little children like you guys, Nick, then you're going to be doing like a really abbreviated version of the scriptures, right? Right, right. I might even grab the children's Bible for one of these things, right? Yeah, I mean, some people have those Bibles with, uh, they're almost like uh, comic book Bibles, which, by the way, are phenomenal. I wish I had one of those when I was a child. Um, I'm still thinking of getting one as an adult, actually. I think, just think they're awesome. 
Um, the Bible is anything but boring if you if you think that you've never read it, right? So Exodus 12, first reading. Second reading is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and it's verses 23 to 26. Mm-hmm. And then the gospel that night is John chapter 13, verses 1 to 15. So the first reading prepares the way for the second reading, which is Paul talking about um, the Eucharist and how it is to be celebrated and what it is that happens, that the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus are proclaimed again, and that we really become partakers in his body and his blood. And then the gospel is Jesus washing the apostles' feet. So divvy those up. And what we would encourage people to do is to proclaim them, right? To read them as a family or as a household. And then take some time as individuals to just um, beforehand ask the Holy Spirit, just talk to us. Help us to hear something new in this new context. And then take... 10 minutes. And just, what's the Lord saying to us as family members? Um, and go around. Isn't that something that we can do? Absolutely. And expect God to say something, you know, whether it's through the little ones or, or you or your spouse or a friend or another family member joining you, expect God to say something because if we ask him, he will. He will. That's right. So then, then after the readings would come the foot washing. And so I know, Mary, you'd asked me the question the other day when we were talking that um, there's not to be a foot washing in the celebrations that we do as priests uh, this year in, uh, in our celebrations. But you're not saying mass in your house. So you can, quite frankly, do whatever you want. <laughs> so if you want to do a foot washing, go for it. In fact, I would argue if you do this as a family, you will never forget this. And it will be more impactful than watching other people get their feet washed in the church where you would have gone in a mixed case where you'd be walking around with the little ones trying to track them down in the hallway, right? <laughs> I can't help but think the kids are going to love that part of Thursday. <laughs> Thursday. Yeah. Uh, just, it just, this just reminds me uh, real quick. I was at a friend's wedding years ago and um, you know, that the, there's the um, more secular tradition of doing a garter toss at that moment. He didn't do that. He washed his bride's feet. And I promise you, just like myself, every person there remembers that he washed his bride's feet. And um, yeah. I, I would imagine that same kind of memory will last uh, a lifetime with your with your with your family members. Yeah, I've seen that done as well. And uh, ditto. This here's a, a great opportunity to do something in the home that will leave a lasting impression and help us identify what it is that Jesus was doing here. Because quite honestly, washing people's feet is pretty awkward, right? And that's why Jesus did it. I mean, this is the work of a slave. And the Lord lowered himself and did this. The, the, the one who, you know, we talk a lot about creation all the time. The universe is 46 billion light years across. And the one who made that on this night is on his knees with a towel around his waist, washing people's feet. And then he gives the command, if, if I who am master have washed your feet, then how much more should you do this for one another? Which doesn't mean necessarily to go wash each other's feet. It means to do everything that is involved in that, right? To make ourselves servants of one another. Then there's a third part to Holy Thursday, which I, I wanna just say something special about. So the third part, Holy Thursday, this is the first of a three-day liturgy, right? We call it the triduum, which is not exactly a word that rolls off the tongue. Um, it's a three-day day. That's what it means. 
So it means it's one liturgical celebration spread out over three days, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and the Easter Vigil. So Holy Thursday doesn't end with, you know, go in peace and the sign of the cross. In fact, there is no ending. The ending is, in a church, a procession with the Blessed Sacrament to a particular place where the faithful are then invited to keep vigil with the Lord until midnight. And it's all calling to mind um, the Lord in the garden uh, before Judas leads the band of soldiers there to arrest him. So here's the thought that came to mind. Um, there's an odd passage in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, in Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. And I never, this passage never hit me before until I think the first time I ever did a first communion mass, which when I was young, I just, or a young priest, I never anticipated being very memorable, quite frankly, but it's actually proved to be one of the most memorable events every year for me is celebrating first communions. So in Deuteronomy 8, Moses says this to the people, the Lord your God made you go hungry. And then he fed you with manna in the desert. That's an odd thing. Mm, yeah. Especially for Americans. And I would suggest especially appropriate for us to think about right now. Because I think one of the ways to understand what God's doing, I'm not saying you know, he's causing this pandemic, but he's allowing in, in those of you who cannot receive the Eucharist, he's allowing, please God, hunger to grow for the sacraments, right? And uh, uh, we're so accustomed to, I have a hunger, boom, I satisfy it. You know, like I'm frustrated that Amazon can't get to me in an hour, right? Because we, we just want instant <laughs> gratification. But God doesn't work that way. God first awakens a hunger, and then it's only oftentimes much, much later that he satisfies it. He did that with the people of Israel, and he's doing it with the church right now. He's making us go hungry. So tonight, Holy Thursday, I would just ask him, Lord, increase within me a desire and a hunger for the Eucharist. We haven't talked about that, but does that, does that land with you guys? Does that resonate? Is that your experience right now in this time? Oh my gosh. Um, I, I think that... I think our team has talked about that at some length over the last set of days. Um, we, we have taken so much for granted. I have taken so much for granted. I take for granted that I have a Eucharistic Adoration Chapel just, you know, a couple blocks away and the churches are open and I can go sit with our Lord or um, I can always find a daily mass. Um, and it's just not, it's just not the case. And, and what it does do is it's like, this is a fast of a different sort that I never, that I wasn't looking for. I was reading uh, N.T. Wright earlier today, and he said it makes, I'll paraphrase him, but he said it makes some of our other fasts seem rather childlike. Um, th this is a unique fast. And uh, blessed be God, may it be so that we, when, when we can all come together and in, t in better days when this is behind us, um, that we come before the Lord as we should have always come before him, truly grateful, truly on our knees, truly ready to receive him, uh, and never taking that great gift for granted ever again. So maybe that's something we can do then on Holy Thursday. Okay, so three parts, readings, foot washing, 
And then some way to keep vigil and in a special way, Lord, just intensify the hunger that we have for the Eucharist. And, and maybe as well, just some sort of simple, I know I do this all the time. Uh, I just repent for the countless times I've received the Eucharist, either without thinking mm -hmm. or unworthily. Mm -hmm. And so just maybe some simple little act of, you know, Lord, I just I, I repent, I'm mindful now that I can't have access to you. Forgive me for all the times when I did and I shouldn't have gone, or I did and I did without thinking it was just some sort of road exercise, right? So that's always Thursday. So the next Good day Friday. is what? Talk right. about that. So the only day of the year when it's forbidden to celebrate Mass, right? And yet it's the day we call good, or uh, in Italy they'd call it Holy Friday. So again, there's a couple of things that are distinctive about this day, and, and we can adapt these to our own, you know, family or household situations. There's the scriptures. We'll give those in a second. There's the time to venerate the cross. Maybe we can, maybe Nick, I'll ask you how you might be doing that with the kids, especially. Yeah. And then there's uh, the time for solemn petitions. And I know, Mary, you had some great suggestions on that too. So I'll just give you the scriptures so that you have them. It's Isaiah 52, verse 13 to Isaiah 53, verse 12. That's the first reading. It's one of the uh, four, what they call suffering servant psalms or songs. So this is a foreshadowing of what it is that Jesus experiences uh, in his passion. And then the second reading is Hebrews chapter four, verses 14 to 16. And then it's chapter 5, verses 7 to 9. And then the gospel is the passion as it's recorded in the gospel of John, which is John 18, verse 1 to 1942. So again, in your case, Nick, you ain't reading this whole chapter, right? Because uh, Or actually right. two chapters, because the little ones ain't going to be able to tolerate that. So you might want to spend some time, right, just kind of going through some things and doing a, maybe it's two verses, or maybe it's something, again, from the children's Bible. Mm -hmm. if, if we, I think, as heads of the household, take it upon ourselves to prepare some sort of, quote unquote, liturgy yep. in the house for our little ones, then we'll have a sense of how to enter into this, right? Absolutely. And it puts me in the role uh, of thinking, how do I help them enter into it? Which, as, 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 as teachers know, when you go to teach something, you learn more, right? And so... I'll be the unique beneficiary of preparing something for my children that I, I can I can tell you right now I'll have I'll have a story of what the Lord has done as a result of preparing for that. So then you mentioned Father um, veneration of the cross, right? Um, and getting ready for that. So how how would I do that with my my two little boys and my wife? Yeah, you got some ideas? Yeah, you know I for sure will have an, an altar set up, right? So last time we we did something not too long ago. We just took the we took a simply an end table, put it in the center of the room, covered it with a with a cloth, you know, to make try to make it beautiful. Put a couple of holy candles on there and a crucifix, and um, uh, that'll be what I do again. Um, in fact, the last time I did that, and Noah walks in and goes, "Are we having mass?" I mean, I I didn't say anything. Wow. He just walks in and goes, "Are we having mass?" <laughs> and so <laughs> it just shows you your kids your kids are gonna step right into this. He's five years old, right? So. Anyway, so uh, I'm going to set up that little altar. I'll have the cross there. We'll do the readings. We'll invite reflection. I'm sure Joseph, he'll, he's two. He'll run around messing things up. That's okay. That's not, the, that's not, not to be worried about that. And then I'll, I'll, I'll 
I will venerate the crucifix. I'll, you know, I'll lift the crucifix off, the, off my little altar. I'll venerate. I'll kiss the cross. I'll thank the Lord for what he's doing for me right now, again, rescuing me. And then I'll ask Emily and Noah to do the same. And I'll have Joseph, you know, do something like that. And then put the crucifix back on the altar and, um, and, and, and continue, continue um, probably our reflection in prayer time, right? So real simple. That's I great. love that. That's, that's so great. And, and again, we're going to adapt this according to our household and our family and whether it's me and my wife or whether it's me and five kids or me and two kids, and depending upon the age, right? You have freedom. You have permission. You can't do this wrong. The only wrong thing, as you said earlier, Nick, is not to do anything at all. So just do something. So veneration of the cross. So, I mean, just hold the cross or a crucifix in a church it, on a Good Friday would only be a cross. But if you've got a crucifix at home, use the crucifix. And maybe you invite people just to speak about that afterwards. Like, what do you experience as you do this? I mean, take some time to, to look at the cross. In uh, the RCIA team I was a part of at... Uh, at Our Lady of Good Counsel, where I was fortunate to serve the folks who used to run that, we would do this retreat. And at the end of the retreat, um, the woman would bring a crucifix that was given to her by her parents. And it was given to her parents by mm. their parents. And they would wow. pass the cross. And we would all take time looking at the cross and just talking about what does this mean to me? That, you know, mm. so this is another kind of thing that we can just incorporate into this as we do this as a family, right? And then, Beautiful. Mary, the third part on Good Friday is uh, petitions. You, you had some great ideas for this. You want to just speak uh, to that? Yeah. So, you know, um, there's a series, I think, of 10 solemn intercessions that follow uh, the readings. And um, so a, a couple of thoughts. Um, you'll be able to find these in your Magnificat or the Word Among Us or a number of other resources. Uh, my thought was, too, was just to, to pray for more hearts, too, that day, to even um, allow your family to, to write their own petitions um, and to add those to those solemn petitions. And, um, and just um, also, I believe the Congregation for Divine Worship just issued an 11th um, solemn intercession this year, and it's for those who suffer the consequences of the current pandemic. And um, so you can find that online, but I'll, I'll read what they have written. It's, it's, it's quite beautiful. Um, that It says, may God in his compassion protect those who are suffering, relieve the pain of those who are sick, give strength to those who are taking care of them, and welcome the deceased into eternal peace. And uh, even, had, even had they not issued, right, um, that particular intercession, I know that would be primary on our hearts. Um, in this particular right. season that we find ourselves in. So um, that will be an easy one to include. Yeah, great. Thanks. So again, three parts, scriptures, veneration of the cross, and then some time for petitions. Don't worry if you can't find like the 10 that are read at Good Friday. <laughs> you can't do this wrong. You know, uh, invite people to just pray out loud. This would be a great time for people to learn how to just pray spontaneously, to pray from their heart without a text in front of them. And then by all means, either make up, you know, your own prayer for the pandemic or grab the one that Mary's talking about there. And then uh, the only other thing that worth mentioning on Good Friday, clearly this is the day to do the Stations of the Cross. And I think we all have a particular fondness for uh, the Stations of the Cross that Fulton Sheen did, which are very easily found online. 
Um, they're short, which is great for families, and yet they're profound because it's uh, Fulton Sheen. So you might want to look at those or some other favorites that you have. And maybe if it's a nice day, wherever you are, you do this outside and you go for a walk, right? You just go as a family and you have someone leave the stations of the cross and you just kind of get outside in nature and, uh, and do what you can. So that's Good Friday, right? And then the last day is what comes after Good Friday, people? Holy Saturday. Holy Saturday. <laughs> yeah, so our encouragement is for people actually to, to find uh, a way to make time to celebrate Easter in the preferred time to celebrate Easter, if I can say it that way, which is the vigil of Holy Saturday. So a lot of people don't go to the Easter vigil because it's long. I mean, it's at least the parishes where I've been in, it's usually like three hours. Sometimes it's four, <laughs> depends on how long I play in the uh, baptismal font with everybody. But So... <laughs> Three hours, right? Because you've got a lot of scriptures. You've got a lot of different parts. Um, no one's going to do a three-hour ceremony in their house, I'm sure. But now we have a chance to really introduce uh, the whole theme of Easter into our household or our family. And so we want to try to give you a way to do that as well. And again, it's going to be broken down into a couple of parts. There's going to be some scriptures. Uh, there's going to be a, um, a renewal of our baptismal promises. And then we're going to put online... A, a very simple ceremony, which uh, I know I, was uh, very significant for me when I was in college and right out of college. It's called a Lord's Day ceremony. We're going to try to integrate that into uh, this season of Easter just to give you as a family or a household or even just an individual, if you're an individual in your house and you haven't seen anybody since this thing started, in which case we're praying for you right now, um, just a way for you to um, Engage in a simple prayerful ceremony uh, to enter into this extraordinary season of Easter when Jesus crushed the power of death and sin, triumphed over Satan in the grave, and opened up the way for us uh, to the Father. So the scriptures, if you were going to go to the vigil, they would be long and there would be many. So I'm going to just, again, you can't do this wrong. I'm going to give you a few that I would encourage you to consider picking from. So there's usually nine readings at the vigil. Most of you aren't going to do nine readings. If you want to do them all, they're found easily on uh, online, especially like usccb.org. But the five texts that come especially to mind for me would be first Genesis 1, which is the story of creation, because it just sets the, st the tone for everything, right? God, the creator, bringing everything into existence out of his love, and everything is good. And you read that through Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. The, the second text, which by all means we should try to make an effort to read, and I'll bet if you've got a children's Bible with Nick and cartoons, it's going to be awesome there, uh, is <laughs> Exodus 14, which is the crossing of the Red Sea, right? So Exodus 14, starting in verse 15, to Exodus chapter 15, verse 1. That is the key text for the Easter Vigil, because the crossing of the Red Sea foreshadows what baptism does, right? Water both destroys and saves. And that's what happened in the Red Sea, and that's what happened in baptism. It destroys sin, and it saves by giving us uh, new life, right? The power of the Holy Spirit given to us. A third text that might be worth looking at is Ezekiel chapter 36, uh, starting in verse 16, going to verse 28. That's God's promise that he's going to give us a new heart. 
He's going to put his spirit within us, which again is preparing us for an understanding of what baptism does. Uh, a fourth text is Romans chapter 6, verses 3 to 11. And this is Paul explaining to us what baptism does. So we talk a lot in our work in Acts 29 about how one of the results of Jesus's resurrection from the dead, like one of the answers to the question, so what? Like what difference does this make is, well, it renders sin as a power impotent. And that's what Paul's talking about here. Do you not know that you who have been baptized have died with Christ, which means now the power of sin has no hold on me. I still sin all the time, don't get me wrong. And I know you guys do too, because I'm with you. <laughs> but um, but it, I don't have to sin, and I don't have to sin because the power of the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in me, which means I can change. I can be a better man, and you can be a better woman, Mary, and you can be a better man, Nick, and you can be a better man, Ron, because God's in you, and God does amazing things by raising the dead to life, right? And then the last passage for the vigil would be um, Matthew 28 verse 1 to 10, which is Matthew's account of the resurrection. So those are some of the scriptures you might want to look at, special emphasis on Exodus, and then Matthew 28, right? And then there's the second part, and the second part is um, the renewal of baptismal promises. So at the Easter Vigil and on Easter Sunday, the priest would lead the congregation in the renewal of the promises that they made when they were baptized. And I, I keep thinking, you know, like as husband and wife or mom and dad with kids, like this has got to be extremely powerful. Now, just like you said, Nick, you're the one doing the teaching, not the one doing the responding, right? Yeah. So in doing this, I now get to have the privilege of asking my family, you know, I'll respond with them, of course, but asking my family to renew their baptismal promises. And uh, I mean, when we know what baptism does, right? Frees us from slavery. Uh, what, a, what a privilege and honor that is uh, that I'm being given this, this Holy Saturday in a unique way. Yeah, and, and the, the, the way to do this is very simple, right? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's question and answer. And, and the first question is this, you just lead the family or you lead your husband or your wife in doing this. The first question is, do you renounce Satan? The answer is, I do. I do. Right? And all his works, I, I do. do. Huh? And all his empty promises, I, I do. do. Right? And then, then you lead them to the creed, right? Do you mm -hmm. believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth? And the people say, I, I do. do. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was born in the Virgin Mary, suffered death and was buried, rose again from the dead, and is seated at the right hand of the Father? I do. And do you believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting? I do. I do. I do. Right? I do. So, so lead, you know, if you're alone, you just say those out loud. If you're with your family, you say those out loud, and someone leads the people in it. This, this is a great opportunity for us um, to not just mouth words in a big congregation where we're easily distracted, but for us to take initiative and to respond to what it is that we celebrated in our homes this week and say, you know what, Lord, I'm in. I, I want to follow you. I want to live as your disciple. I want to turn my back on the enemy. 
I want to be an instrument to rescue others because I know what it is that Jesus has done to rescue me now. So I'm following along, you know, in my Magnificat as you're walking through those baptismal promises. And in my mind, I can already see husbands and wives standing in their living room before their altar, their prayer altar. I don't care if you've been married five years, 10 years, 15 years, 35 years, 55 years for our father in heaven to see husbands and wives, right? Um, renewing their baptismal promises, the impact that that will have on their marriage, I think is going to be massive. They'll never forget that they did this, that we did this, right? That's I'm right. Like doing this. Exactly. And so again, we're talking about how God's giving us an opportunity right now to enter into a holy week that we'll never forget, but now it's for all the right reasons. And when we're able to gather in church, please God, next year, oh, please God, um, we will remember this Holy Week and the things that we always just kind of did, perhaps going through the motions, we will never do the same way again, right? God's going to bring great and we're gonna, Absolutely. out of this. We're going to put online, too, just a simple ceremony, uh, just a, an easy way for us as a household to, um, to call to mind and to enter into this season of Easter. It's got a great little uh, ritual for lighting a candle. Um, for acknowledging Jesus as the light of the world, and then a couple of prayers which, um, which somebody in the household can lead us through. So we'll put that online so you guys can have that. Nick, I know you've got some resources that you want to make people aware of. We've got a couple of things on our website. What, what can we point people to to help them have a, a better Holy Week as well? We are excited to share with you a few things. So if you go to our website under the You Were Born for This uh, tab, that's where you'll be able to find the Lord's Day ceremony and any of the resources we put up there for Holy Week. Um, in addition to this, on during Triduum, on, so Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, we're going to post uh, Father John's uh, homilies from the previous year on those days in this channel. So you know, on this channel, where you're currently hearing this, you'll be able to hear those homilies from the previous years. Personally, I found that to be the most moving Triduum um, of my life, uh, hearing Father John preach, um, he, he, he set it up in such a way as to almost make it a sort of like mission within the Triduum. And uh, they flow together really well. It's a, it's a great proclamation of the gospel. Um, so we really encourage you, I would, I would encourage you to listen to those. We've got the KC videos too, right? Which I know have been up on our website. But yeah. we certainly want to encourage people, if you haven't had a chance to look at those, it's, uh, we put those up right now at this time of year just because we find them to be a helpful way to um, – to kind of soak people into the story. And we're so aware right now as we go through this pandemic that countless people, um, we just don't see reality. We see parts of reality with a Christian vision. But to be a disciple is to see all of reality in a different way, right? And, and we, we just think that those are a helpful way to, to help people understand the big picture, right? Like, why is there anything? Uh, like, why does creation exist? What happened that it went wrong? Why did God become a man? What did he do about it? And then it just sets up this whole Easter season and quite frankly, the rest of our lives. So how should I respond, right? Right. So if you go to our YouTube channel, Acts 29, A-C-T-S-X-X-I-X, go to the Acts 29 YouTube channel. There you'll find a playlist 
titled, That's Not the God I Knew Growing Up. That is the three talks Father John just referenced uh, from a recent um, uh, mission we had in Kansas City. So you can also find those there. And again, that's a very powerful uh, preaching of the gospel that's already impacting both church and unchurched people. So thank you, Jesus. Great. So here's what we got. We got, we're going to set aside concrete times to celebrate these liturgies at home. We're going to enter into them with no anxiety, no fear, because you can't do this wrong. The only wrong thing is to do nothing, right? Trust that your father is going to be pleased and however you do it. We're going to find a way to decorate our homes, to make a sacred space where we can gather together and we can do something to read the scriptures and then whatever it is that's unique to that particular day, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, or Holy Saturday. And, and our whole prayer this whole week, right, we just want to ask the Father to help us understand like we never have before what it is that Jesus has done for us, that God has become a man so as to go to battle for us, to go to war for us, to rescue us from powers that we can't compete against, the power that's hovering over the world right now in the midst of this pandemic, and that has so many people afraid. It's called death, capital D. Here's the proclamation of the gospel. Death has been defeated. It's underneath Jesus's feet. He has triumphed over it, and he is Lord. And because he is, and he's with me, I'm not afraid. Don't you be either. Happy Easter, everybody.